drawing room over here. Oh, hey, come on in. Recently, Scott Morrison became the longest-serving Prime Minister of Australia since John Howard. Before that, he spent years as a senior figure in government and in the opposition. But despite that, how well do we know the man who leads our nation? Is it truly possible to see through the role and see the person within? And should we even try? Sean Kelly's new biography, The Game, a portrait of Scott Morrison, takes aim at these questions. And Sean is my guest in the drawing room. Sean, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. You've said that this book is as much literary criticism as political journalism. Why did it end up that way? I imagine that wasn't the plan when you started. No, I mean, I was approached to write a biography, was the first suggestion by a publisher. And I went away and and thought about it. And I thought, I don't think I have enough to say about Scott Morrison. I don't think I'm interested enough in him to write a biography. And so I went back to the publisher and said, look, I'm not that keen. Uh, And I I thought about this some more and I thought, this is an odd thing that this man bores me. Why why is that? How is it that there is this man who won an election against all expectations, Mm -hmm. who, uh, as you say, has now become the longest serving prime minister since John Howard, and we don't know that much about him and we don't seem to want to know more about him. And that fact is itself, I think, interesting. And so... Uh, I began to ask why this was. And one of the reasons is that Scott Morrison hasn't done an enormous amount. Uh, So you have to look, I think, very closely at what he has said over the years. And that's what I that's what I did. I looked very closely at the words he has used, uh, the the sentences he has put together over a long period of time to try to take apart the public performance that he's given us. And, And that's what the book is trying to do. What was the thread that pulled you into Morrison's story? It was actually, as you say, the lack of definition that caught your attention, right? Exactly. I I was first asked to write about Scott Morrison in 2018, just after he'd become Prime Minister. And I, uh, I looked at everything he had said and everything he'd done, and I talked to as many people as I could. And it was, it was difficult because with a politician, normally you look at what they believe. And it was quite hard to find a consistent thread in what Scott Morrison believed. He'd used quite vague language. And I began to get this sense that uh, he uh, was quite absent. And eventually I realised this wasn't an obstacle. Uh, This was actually the thing I'd been looking for all along. The definition of Scott Morrison's career was this lack of definition, was the fact that he'd quite deliberately not left any traces in public life. Uh, and so I, uh, the article ended up being published under the title, Leave No Trace. And that was one of the reasons that I, I struggled with that question of, of how to write a book at first, because it, it seemed like there wasn't that much there. Morrison was described as a blank canvas when he became Prime Minister, decades into his role really in public life. How was it possible to be that public but that lacking in definition? Look, it's really an incredible achievement. I think you have to look at Scott Morrison's career in two halves. There was the half up to 2015 when he kept the canvas blank, when he kept the slate blank. And he did that in a variety of ways. The first and foremost was by not answering questions. Now, every politician these days is very good at not answering questions. As a former press secretary, uh, Patricia, I deserve some of the blame for that. <laughs> but um, but Scott Morrison took it to a new level. Uh, you know, for a man who is the immigration minister, who is trying 
in his own words, to stop boats, to say that on-water matters were off-limits for questioning uh, was a, a, an, an entirely new level to reach in terms of evading questions. But he hadn't just done it when he became a minister. He'd done it as a shadow minister and he'd done it from quite a young age. In his late 20s, he was quite cagey. Uh, when he was 30, the first profile of him was written and he wouldn't give his exact age. He said he was in his 30s. He happened to be exactly 30. He was clearly trying to appear older than he was. And you can trace this deep suspicion of the media throughout Scott Morrison's entire public life. Uh, so that was one element of it. And then the second element was not talking about himself. Now, that's not just a strategy. I think that that comes from a, a deeper sensibility. I, I think Scott Morrison is somebody who probably doesn't like to uh, be very introspective, certainly not publicly. Uh, but at any rate, that did mean that there wasn't a strong record of beliefs. And then in 2015, you start to see that switch. And the reason for that is that in 2015, Scott Morrison gets the first hint that he might have a chance of becoming Prime Minister. And there's some suggestion that he thought he might get it ahead of Malcolm Turnbull when Turnbull took over from Tony Abbott in 2015. And suddenly, he starts to, to fill in the blanks. He starts to fill in the blanks with things that he think will, thinks will present the image that he needs to present to the Australian public. So you learn these very simple details about him. Uh, you learn that he likes to cook a curry once a week. So he's modern but not too modern. You learn uh, that he really likes rugby league and he starts to tweet about it after an absence from social media. Uh, so there's this very deliberate absence and then a very deliberate effort to fill that absence in. What is E.M. Forster's idea of the flat character and why is it valuable for a politician? Oh, one of the things I, I realised while I was writing about Scott Morrison is that not, very few of us actually get to meet politicians. So how do we see politicians? And, it, and in a way, I think we see them very similarly to the way that we see characters from a book. What do we know about a character in a book, in a novel? We know what the author chooses to tell us. What do we know about a politician? We know what journalists choose to tell us. We know uh, a little bit of information from a two-minute news bulletin in the evening or a, an 800-word piece in the newspaper in the morning. Politicians, I think, to us are like characters in books. Now, Ian e. Forster, the, the great novelist, came up with this theory of character and he said there were round characters and there were flat characters. And round characters are real people, if you like. They're people with nuances. They're people uh, who surprise us in certain ways. And then you have flat characters. And flat characters, uh, as their name suggests, are very simple. We know them by one or two characteristics. Perhaps they have red hair. Perhaps they always wear a yellow T-shirt. Uh, they uh, often have a catchphrase, something they will say again and again and again. And the purpose of a flat character is essentially that you can recognise them and you recognise them and they're comforting because you know that they're always the same. They never change. They won't surprise you. So round characters, if you like, are real characters and, and flat characters are these, these simple characters made just for literature. and Scott Morrison, in, in his presentation to the Australian public, is essentially a flat character. So given all of this, it's easy to imagine a desire to hunt for a deeper unknown truth. But you write that a hunt for the hidden story can distract us from seeing what's in front of us. Yeah, look, I think this is a very tricky issue because, of course, journalism has to hunt 
for more facts. <laughs> it's the way it's the way politicians are kept accountable. Uh, so we certainly can't uh, look down our nose at, at that hunt for facts. But I, I do think there is a danger in public debate sometimes of going looking for something when the, when the truth is staring us in the face. So the, the theorist Eve Sedgwick recounted this story. She was talking to her friend Cindy Patton and Sedgwick said to Patton, have you heard about this rumour that the, uh, the US military is responsible for the AIDS crisis, has been spreading AIDS? And Cindy Patton said, well, Eve, what would that actually teach us? Would that uh, teach us that the American government has contempt for, for queer people and for drug users? Well, we already know that. Would it, would it tell us that the government doesn't care about the chance of catastrophic uh, population changes? We already know that. So sometimes we go looking for, the, for these theories, I suppose, uh, as if we think they will give us some new piece of information that will suddenly change the picture we have. But I, I think that's often an alibi. I think that uh, politicians in general uh, show themselves to be who they are when they're on display in public life. And so what we should try to do is look at who they have been in public life. Uh, and I think one of the things that, that has happened as everybody has become supposedly more savvy about politics over a long period of time is people tend to think, oh, well, we, we know what that politician's trying to do. They're, they're playing the game of politics. They're uh, performing. They don't really mean what they say. And the problem with that approach is it lets the politician off the hook. Mm. It's a way for us to pretend that they don't mean what they say. But if a politician says something enough times and if they vote for that thing in the parliament, at some point, don't we have to conclude that that's what they mean, that that is the real person? You write that Morrison may be performing a role, but there's a difference between an actor's role and Morrison's. And you say in theatre, what you perform is made up. Morrison is performing something that is in essence true. So you're saying this is actually really what he believes. These are the things, you know, he didn't perform the role of tough immigration minister. That's who he is. Scott Morrison is often performing and he knows this. Uh, a strange telling detail is that he often uses theatrical metaphors uh, to describe Politics. I think he knows very well that politics is theatre. And you, you see this uh, in the very deliberately contrived way that he presented himself when he first became Prime Minister. He gave his first television interview, uh, you know, not, not to you, Patricia, not to <laughs> Lee Sales, but to a, a rugby league player. He gave a press conference holding a rugby league ball. There was a montage of times that he, of him saying, I, I love the Sharks, go Sharks released by his press team. Now, these, these aren't accidental references to football that just happen to come up from a man who's passionate about footy. Uh, they're, they're very deliberate. So he is performing. He's performing this role of a suburban dad, the daggy dad, if you like. But uh, that doesn't mean that it's untrue. I mean, all of us are performing in some ways at, at any point when we're in public. Uh, if we happen to meet people for dinner, there's, there's some performance going on. Uh, Scott Morrison's genius, in a way, is to give us this exaggerated version of himself. Uh, but, but then you come to this question about policy areas like immigration. I, I do, I think we have to judge politicians by what they do, ultimately. I think that's very important. But what Scott Morrison did with the immigration portfolio is to say, after he'd done it, essentially that was just a job. 
It was just a job I was doing. I was I was playing a role. He's talked about having to put on a particular posture, a particular demeanor uh, for the people smugglers. And when he's been asked later about things he has said, uh, which he shouldn't have said, uh, he said, "Well, I was just I was just doing the uh, I was just doing the job as I had to do it." And it's a way of distancing himself from that role he was playing. A way of saying it was just a role. I was just acting. And I think we get into real trouble when we allow politicians to give that reason, to make that excuse. On Radio National, I'm Patricia Carvallis. Sean Kelly is my guest in the drawing room, and we're talking about his new book, The Game, A Portrait of Scott Morrison. You mentioned before that you didn't feel interested in knowing more about Morrison, and in fact, that nobody seemed interested in knowing more. How do you explain that lack of curiosity? Is it unique to Morrison, or is it common across leaders? Uh, look, that, that is a very good question. I think that there is a strand of complacency in, in Australia at times, and, and uh, I can understand that. Uh, not, not in all Australians, but, but in, in many Australians. We are a rich country. We are a peaceful country. We have an incredible health system. Uh, a lot of people's lives here is a good life in many ways. Uh, and I, I think that means that there is a tendency among many many Australians to to switch off from politics. And I think Scott Morrison uh, encourages that. And he's not the first prime minister to do so. Malcolm Fraser talked about uh, you know getting politics off the front page, getting sport on there. Tony Abbott said a similar thing. Uh, and Scott Morrison, after the twenty nineteen election, made a, made a comment that echoed those two previous comments uh, about allowing people to go back to their lives and stop worrying about politics for a while. Uh, so I, I think there is a desire not to think about politics, uh, which can be dangerous at times. But I, I think that Scott Morrison uh, is, is perhaps an extreme example of it. I think that there there is a sense in which he presented this character because he didn't want uh, us to be looking much for, much harder at him. Uh, and... I, I can see why that is. As, as I wrote this book, and of course in doing so, I had to look very hard at him, very hard at the things he'd done, very hard at the things he'd said. Um, it was at times hard to construct a coherent image. Uh, there is this simple image uh, up front, and then you look behind, and it is difficult to find anything solid. So I, I do think it's, um, it's deliberate on some level to keep us from looking much harder at Scott Morrison. And look, I, I, think, I think that is not entirely uh, Machiavellian. I think there is some element, some level on which Scott Morrison is a very, very private person. I think he really doesn't like the idea of scrutiny and that is partly political instinct, but I also suspect it's partly a personal instinct. Uh, and you can see that in his public interactions, he, uh, I think there is a sense in which he, he likes to keep uh, some parts of himself away from the prime ministership, uh, his family, his faith. You know, he, he really does not like talking about his faith in any depth publicly. Uh, and there are political reasons for that, but I think there are personal reasons as well. Yeah, the faith one is an interesting one. Is it not very much linked to the fact that he feels like his faith and some of the values of his particular denomination are at odds with sort of contemporary or, or modern culture that he feels like he will be scrutinised in an unfair way. There's a sense that he feels this sense of unfairness. 
There, there absolutely is. And he has talked in the past about feeling, um, uh, I can't remember the exact words, but uh, essentially around discrimination against religious people. Uh, and look, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure that Scott Morrison has faced an enormous amount of discrimination in his life. That, that feels like uh, exaggeration to me. Um, I worry... I find the discussion of Scott Morrison's faith very complicated. I think it's entirely sincerely held. Uh, I think that um, it, it is an odd thing to have a prime minister who is so uh, happy to say very clearly publicly that he believes in this, That he, who in his maiden speech said that uh, he admired leaders who had changed their countries and changed the world by adherence to their faith which is very clearly connecting faith to public life, uh, who then won't talk about it at all, really. Mm. And I think that you're right, Patricia, that, that there is a fear there that certain values will seem uh, outdated, will seem out of step with the Australian community. And look, there's, there's a, a mention in Malcolm Turnbull's book of Scott Morrison uh, after the referendum on marriage saying that uh, he was surprised by the result in his electorate and uh, Australia isn't the country that he, that he thought it had been. So certainly there is a sense in which uh, his religion could make him seem out of step with the times. And, uh, Morrison is very politically attuned and, and of course that would be a concern for him. Mm. As soon as he became the Prime Minister, Morrison was keen to project authenticity. Uh, that's the daggy dad thing. Like That's who he really is, he tells us. Why mm. was that important to him and how was it achieved? Well, it's fascinating because in 2017, Scott Morrison gives a speech to the Liberal Party and he talks about the importance of politicians communicating with authenticity. He's saying this to his colleagues. Uh, and uh, in conjunction with that speech, he provides an interview to the Daily Telegraph and in that interview, he says, um, you know, people are people want politicians to play the role of the authentic outsider. Uh, and he says, what people want to know about you now is what you cook and what you think about the footy. And of course, a year later, he becomes prime minister and he starts to absolutely put in place the strategy that he has explicitly outlined as a political strategy a year beforehand. Uh, so it's, it's this very strange thing where he says authenticity uh, is giving the people what they want and I will do exactly that. Whereas, I mean, really you would have to think, isn't authenticity being true to yourself? Isn't authenticity standing up and, and being genuine and not simply following the focus group? Uh, but Scott Morrison did see that people were sick of, in, in his words, the staged nature of politics. But the other interesting thing about that speech and in, in the interview is that he says people want, are sick of the staged nature of politics, but then he uses this other theatrical metaphor. We need to take on the role of the authentic outsider. Now, Scott Morrison, like many politicians from both sides of politics these days, uh, can never actually be an outsider. I mean, he was a, a state director of the Liberal Party. Uh, but what he can do is play the role of the political outsider. Now, that's not really authentic, but there was certainly a sense going into the 2019 election that that gave people a sense of authenticity regardless. But look, I, I think this ties to a broader question, which is the question of authenticity, I think, is one we talk a lot about a lot 
in our society now. And that's because our society has moved so far into the realm of performance. Uh, you know, people have been performing in social situations, as I said before, for, for decades, but with the advent of social media in particular, there is, there is a real feeling that everybody is performing all of the time. And uh, in that equation, where, where is the genuine self? And that's an important question outside of politics, outside of Scott Morrison. That's an important question for all of us. Have the last few weeks complicated the image of Morrison? There, there was a definition of sorts that emerged on the world stage. Oh, absolutely. That character, that flat character that Scott Morrison presented in, in 2019, I think has been wearing thin over time. I don't mean that it'll cost him the election. I just mean that it was there to do a job in a way, to get him through a, a short period of time. But of course, as time goes on, uh, it, it wears thin. The, the real person starts to poke through a little bit more. Uh, a former colleague of mine, a, another former political advisor, said to me last week, the prime ministership finds every prime minister out. Uh, there is something about the spotlight of that job and the pressure of that job that means that you can't hide your real self away for too long. Uh, and I think in, in political terms, and it's obviously not the most important outcome of last week that was on the climate front and on the diplomatic front, but uh, at a political level, I think last week was significant because there was a, a bit of a sense of this proud man who hated uh, being attacked, who did not like it when his ego was under threat, uh, who would lash out in those circumstances. And we, we've seen that before. We saw that during the sexual violence uh, period of crisis in Canberra. And, um, and in both cases, I think it's created real trouble for the Prime Minister because there is this sense of uh, this other Scott Morrison, who, of course, draws into question the, uh, the daggy dad persona. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Sean Kelly has been my guest in the drawing room and his book, The Game, A Portrait of Scott Morrison, is out now through Black Ink.